This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Bruchem Abom, welcome everyone. We're uh, starting a new Seder, a new Limud, the Archais Chaim of the Rosh. Of course, we know the Rosh was one of the great Rishonim. The, the Rosh, of course, comes from Ashkenaz. He's a Talmud of the Marami Rotenberg. And when his Rebbe was imprisoned, and they put an exorbitant uh, ransom on releasing the Marami Rotenberg, with, with the Rosh actually raised the requisite sum, but by the time the Rosh came up with the sum, the, sum, the Marami Rotenberg had already passed away in jail, and the Rosh figured he's next, so the Rosh ran away to Spain, and he became one of the leaders of Spanish Jewry, but he always retained uh, Minag Ashkenaz, and he tried to influence the Spanish Jewry with uh, Minag Ashkenaz. And, interesting, are you able to hear me? Yeah. He, uh, the one thing that the Sfardim did not accept from the Rush is uh, Minhag Ashkenaz. Any event, the rush came to Toledo, Spain. So I always like to say humorously, there's an expression, "Holy Toledo," and there's a lot of uh, uncertainty where that term comes from. Some say it's because in Toledo, Ohio, there are more churches per capita than anywhere else in the world. Actually, the real reason is because there are more bars in Toledo, Ohio, than anywhere else in the world, and it's a lashon saginahar. But anyway, that's not the real reason. The real reason for uh, Holy Toledo is because that is where the rush comes from. And if you look in the Magid Meisharim of the Beis Yosef, the Malach actually told the Beis Yosef that uh, about the rush, Asher Kadishi, that of all the Rishonim, the holiest of all the Rishonim is the rush. So, uh, hence, Holy Toledo. Okay. But in any event, the Rush wrote a sefer, which originally was called Hanhagas HaRosh, the practices, the customs of the Rush. In fact, the Chida in the Shem HaGadolim, when he refers to the sefer, he says that Hanhagas HaRosh was published many times. These are words of Yira, Musr, very short statements that are great cedar trees. And uh, the Chida says, Ashri Adam Praiseworthy is somebody who learns these customs and accustoms them and their children in the Archais Chaim of the Rush. Now, about 400 years ago, the Toistus Yamtiv, Rabbi Yamtiv Lipman Heller, when he was a Rav in the city of Wien, he was Manhig in his city. He established in his city that uh, everyone in the city should learn Archais Chaim of the Rush wearing talis and tefillin right before Baruch Shamar. So this actually the Toysus Yom Tev instituted, became part of the Tzuras HaTfila. And moreover, the Rosh, the Toysus Yom Tev translated the Archaz Chaim of the Rosh into Yiddish. And when he published it, he got a Haskama. Who gave a Haskama on Toysus Yom Tev's uh, edition of the Archaz Chaim? The Shagis Aryeh himself wrote a Haskama on the Archaz Chaim of the Rosh. And in the edition of 1767, the Shagis Aryeh, I'll tell you what he writes. He says, Sefer Yashan Noishan. This is an old, 
well weathered sefer kiyayin hamishumer ba'anovim. This is like wine being preserved in the grape. Yitain chain lamalo ulamata lahadrich levnei adam bedarche yoisher ushmoi no eloi. Its name is fitting for it, and namely, it is called Archais Chayim. Now, the uh, so that was four hundred years ago. Then comes the altar of Kelm, and the altar of Kelm was Koivea, that in Kelm it should be recited every single day after Shachris. Not only that, the altar of Kelm said that if the Talmud Torah in Kelm was only established that they should learn Archais Chayim Bi'ion. That would be a, a good enough reason. So this was, uh, the, the learning of the Arches Chaim was a very big uh, ikr in the yeshiva in Kelm. And uh, the uh, the of Kelm was Masakin, it should be learned daily with a shliach tzibur. Okay? So there was a shliach tzibur, he would recite, and then they would recite after him. So this is more than just a Musar Sefer. This almost traditionally became part of like the Tzura Soavoidah, but the author of Kelm warns, very similar to the Masil Sisharim, but he says more emphatically, that the benefit of learning the Archais Chaim is if you learn it Bi'ion. He says just to learn it without Kavana, he says it's Bittol's man. It's a complete waste of time. The only effect that the Archais Chaim of the Rosh would have is uh, if somebody learns it Bi'ion. Now, I'm using one of my versions. I have five different editions over here. Okay, but uh, most of the editions are using the breakdown of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky broke down the Arches Chaim into first of all the Tosfos Yomtiv broke it down into seven portions to be read every day of the week, and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky broke it down further for the different oisios of the Arches Chaim. Now, Rav. Rav Aaron David Goldberg, I'm using his edition, he brings that in the, in the Shiva in Tells, they alternate during Elul and Asasime Tshuva between the Arches Chaim of the Rosh and the Shari Tshuva, and this was also the custom in Navardic. So Rav Ben Sion Brook, in his uh, Haskama, I had a Rebbe, Rav Ben Yaman Luban, he used to learn Becharusu with Rav Ben Sion Brook, he was one of the Rosh Yeshiva in Navardic. He also writes that in Navardic they would learn the Arches Chaim Rosh during Elul and um, Aseret Yimei Tshuva. I, I, I will say that in my Yeshiva, which is more of a Slabotka style Yeshiva, Arches Chaim Rosh was not considered one of the main Sifrei Musar because it's a little bit of a different style than the other Sifrei Musar. The other Sifrei Musar are more general principles which appeal to the intellect and to the emotion, and from there the person themselves could lave yoidea maras nafsa, apply to themselves what they need to change and how they need to change it. The Chaschayim Larash, in a way, is not necessarily a Slabotka style Sefer Musar because it gives very specific Hanhagos. Do this, then. So it could be that it doesn't necessarily fit the Mahalach of Slabotka. But uh, certainly it's something that we need to learn as it comes from one of the great Rishonim. Now, uh, I, I found it actually pretty uh, interesting that in Rav Aaron Do- David Goldberg's uh, Hakdama, he thanks his wife, not only for allowing him to spend his time learning. I want to welcome my good friend Rabbi Yeager. What, what do you say? Oh, Shar Shlishiv, Shar Chu is pretty specific. 
That's true. Truth is, in yeshiva, they don't do so much shashlishi. That's not really, uh, they don't really do so. They do more Aleph, Beis, and Dalet, but shashlishi is not really, uh, I don't know that, they, I don't think they skip it, but I don't remember the emphasis on that. Anyway, so he, he, he thanks his wife, uh, firstly, for allowing him to, uh, to spend his time learning. And then he thanks his wife that he gave over to his wife the entire malacha of publishing his farim, of typesetting, of giving and dealing with the printers. And he thanks her for doing a very accurate and precise job um, in publishing his farm. He has many, many farm on various different uh, Muslim farm. We already used his sefer for Tarmid Devaira. We used it for Igaris Ramban, Igaris HaMusr, Igaris Hagra. Okay, so let's take that and... Um, Let's speak about the name of the Sefer, Archois Chaim, the pathway of life. We know in Devarim, in two places, the Rebbe Shalom says, first he says, Re'eina sati lefanecha hayoim es hachayim v'yas hatoiv v'yas hamavas v'yas hara. See, I've placed before you today life and good, death and bad. And then the Rebbe Shalom commands us, Uvacharta b'chayim which would seem like an unnecessary command. I mean, once you know the path that's good and life, and you know the other path is bad and death, so it's self-evident. You're going to want to choose the right path, the path of life, the path of goodness. Why do you need God to say, by the way, now that you know what life and death is, and you know what good and bad is, and you know what ice cream and poison is, eat the good stuff, stay away from the bad stuff. Why wouldn't we know that on our own? Furthermore, why doesn't God just say, choose life? Why does He have to first say, okay, I've placed before you the path of life and goodness, the path of death and evil, and then He says, choose life. Why can't He just say, choose life? So apparently, before a person is able to make the right choice, he has to know what the options are. And he has to know clearly what is life and what is good, and what is death and what is bad. Before one can even exercise free choice, you need to know what the Archois Chayim is. And then once you have a clarity, okay, this is A and this is B, now you can make a decision between A and B. Well, once I know what A is and what B is, isn't the decision obvious? Well, apparently it's not so obvious because it's actually a very difficult decision. And that's because Rebbein Shem gave us the Yitzhahara, which means we may know that gaiva is wrong and kas is wrong, and we may know that all the midos are, are wrong, or the midos rois are wrong. Nevertheless, we may not have, not we may, we do not have the ability necessarily to exercise the right decision without the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in other words, Ubacharta b'chayim is Hashem is saying, I'm rooting for you, I'm telling you what to choose, you need to follow my direction, you need to follow my assistance, you need to go with my help. But without Hashem's uh, guiding hand of Uvacharta B'chayim, despite the fact that we may know what the Archois Chayim is, we may not exercise that right decision. Okay, so at least let's begin with the first three words of the Archois Chayim Larash, and they are Lehisrachek Min HaGaiva. Distance yourself from Gaiva. We know if you look at Mesachta Saita, the Gemara Mesachta Saita and Dav says, how do I know there is a Azhara against Gaiva? The Gemara says, uh, cites a Pasuk, Viram Levavecha Vishachachta Es Hashem. And then the Gemara cites a Pasuk, Hishamer Lecha Pentishkach Es Hashem Aleikecha. 
Are the Moine HaMitzvahs, do they count this as a lav? So it's interesting, the Chavetz Chaim already, in the Yisabar Chavetz Chaim, quotes the Smag, that the Smag, when he was counting the Lavin, the 365 Lavin, he forgot to count this Lav, and he, the, he got a message from heaven, hey, Smag, you know, make sure you count Gaiva as one of the 365 Lavin. Now, why does the Archaz Chaim begin L'Hisrachek Men HaGaiva? What is, why, why has Gaiva been selected to be the, uh, throw out the opening pitch of the Arches Chaim Larash? We'll discuss that more tomorrow, but let's just make one Ha'ara. And that is, you would think, here this is a Musr Sefer, it's almost Rosh Hashanah, I want to be inspired, I want something that I should do. I want a way to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why do we start off so negative? And the answer is, because you ain't going anywhere if they're impediments and their stumbling blocks. And the best model is, David HaMelech, how does he begin Tehillim? I remember if Miller would say often, Tehillim is the book of Devekus, Tzoma Nafshi Kim Lekelchai. Tehillim is the book of inspiration, and yet David HaMelech starts, stay away from bad people. Wow, so inspiring. Yeah, that's right, because it's first Sur Meirava Asetayv. That's always the process. And you can't be elevated, and a person can't rise up in Madrega so long as there are deterrents. So therefore, following the pattern of David HaMelech, of Sor Meirava Asetoiv, the Arches Chaim begins, L'Hisrachek Menagaiva, and I'll let you think about tonight, when you're going to sleep, why has Gaiva been given the distinction of being the first thing to be careful about in the program of the Arches Chaim Larash. Okay everyone, thanks for joining today. Have a great day, evening, rest of your day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.